podcast for curious minds. And here's your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening. And also thank the contributors to my podcast, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Hoodoo Cleansing and Protection Magic, Binaural production engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without any further ado, our guest for today is... Ms. Aida, thanks for coming back on. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So um, let's talk about, uh, I mean, it's October. It's Halloween. Although I guess every day in my life is Halloween. Well, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that Halloween and the holiday and where it came from and what it still means to people. Okay. So I'm going to give you a little bit of history. So I'm going to take you back 2,000 years ago. (laughs) So now we're way back in time. Remember that song, The Troglite? I'm going to take you way back, way back. I'm going to take you way back to 2,000 years ago. And this was a Celtic holiday and it was celebrated. Well, let me first tell you, it wasn't called Halloween. I will tell you how the, the term Halloween, but you'll hear witches say happy Samhain and it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. So it mm-hmm. looks like it's Samhain but it's pronounced Samhain. So Samhain in that language, in the contemporary Gaelic language, means the death of the old year. And that was celebrated the first night of the full moon closest to October 31st or November 1, whichever Mm -hmm. you prefer, okay? And it was a huge holiday that required, no, mandated, mandated that everybody not only attend, but participate in the ceremonies. The ceremonies lasted for three days. They believe, and we still do to this day, that there is a veil that separates our world, which is called the mundane world, Mm -hmm. from the spiritual world. And that veil thins out as we're approaching the full moon closest to October 31st. On that exact day, the veil is broken. And 
we believe to this day that all the entities, fairies, gods, goddesses, entities, good spirits, bad spirits, right, are free to roam. And so going back to, to um, the 2000 years ago, and you know how politicians are, they have to, you know, have to make their appearance. So vendors have to make their appearances. Yeah, 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 that all existed 2000 years ago. <laughs> and it was a time for people to, to um, convey their political messages and whatever they need to do for vendors to, to make a few bucks. So I can understand why it was a mandatory <laughs> attendance, right? And I bet you anything, this part I don't know, but I bet you anything the politicians were the ones that made it a mandatory Of course. <laughs> but they would have other festivals and, uh, I mean, other um, party things. And their main food during that during the three-day festival was either pig or wild boar and they believed that this was a magical food now the cauldron and i'm going to later on when we when i bring you up to our time mm -hmm. okay i'm going to explain what these things represent when we see the bats and the 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 spiders i'll explain all of that and the pumpkins awesome. <laughs> right but um the cauldron in those days had a different significance than they do in these days and they believe that the cauldron was the tool that was used to connect us human beings with the spirits so Things were cooked, the wild boar, the pig, and all that that was cooked in the in the cauldron. And they did other things with their cauldrons also, probably scrying and whatever, because it was a tool that connected our world with um, their world. Right. So I told you that all these spirits are free to roam around, right? And I also said that negative entities were also free to roam around. Mm -hmm. So what the priests would do back in those days is they would wear a mask in an attempt to fool the negative entities. And, you know, they're not all demonic, right? right? So I'm saying the bad guys, right? The negative entities, they could be demonic, but they wore masks in attempt to fool these entities into believing that they were one of them and they wouldn't harm them. So people got wise and they were like, hmm, well, if the priest can do it, we better do it too. <laughs> and they would wear masks, you know, and then they would wear costumes to cover up their bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's how masking and costuming, that was the root of masking and costuming. Oh, cool. Okay. 
It was initially to fool the negative entity. So now I'm going to bring you up about 500 years. And it was believed, well, let me go back. Let me go back. One thing I wanted to say about those times, um, the politicians <laughs> had these people that if they did not attend these ceremonies, that an entity would get them and they would go mad and then eventually die. So people would participate out of fear. <laughs> okay. And anyway, so I'm going to move you back. I'm going to move you forward about 500 years. And what ended up, what they were doing, I shouldn't say what ended up, what they were doing now, now we've developed 500 years, is guising. Okay? And people would go door to door to collect food for the dead and toys for the dead children. Right? And the people that donated things, mm -hmm. toys and food, believed that if they donated something, that they would have a year of prosperity and they could not be cursed for an entire year. Good deal. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting thing. In hoodoo, when someone has a spell on them, right, especially a negative spell, we say that they're tricked, right? Mm -hmm. And what do children say nowadays, trick or treat, right? right. They were saying that back then. Wow. So either give something or you'll be cursed. That's what trick or treat meant back then. Okay, mm -hmm. when we move fast forward to our times, you know, it's a little malicious. Like if you don't give us a treat, uh -huh. you know, we're going to damn it, vandalize your home or whatever. But that isn't what it what it really means. It really means either you give something or you will be cursed. Wow. So now the Catholic Church comes in, right? Mm hmm. And they're forcing people, they're forcing the pagans to convert. Now, we all know about how they did things back then, right? They would either torture the pagans or, I mean, and, and horrible torture, or, yeah. or they, they killed them, right, if they didn't convert. And in the process, there were a lot of negotiations between pagans that of a hierarchy um, status right? negotiate things with the Catholic Church. Now, if you see some of the old Catholic churches that are still around, you'll see um, stone statues of gargoyles mm -hmm. of hideous animals right right that was a pagan compromise okay so there are a lot of compromises 
and paganism that has been incorporated into the Catholic tradition. Yeah. And so one of the negotiations, because Samhain, and it is to this day, you know, and, and, and the, the pagans of, of this day, they have a wheel of the year. And that wheel has eight holidays, Samhain being the most sacred. Okay. And it was very sacred back then. So to this day, it's still the most sacred holiday amongst the pagans. So the Catholics compromised, and it was a crummy compromise. The Catholics compromised, okay, we will celebrate this day. And now they're talking like November 1st, November 2nd. We will call it All Hallows Eve, which would be around October 31. So you have All Hallows Eve. And that was a pretty crummy compromise because that meant All Holy, mm -hmm. All Hallow, All Holy, or All Saints Day. So they weren't recognizing anything right. except the, the deceased saints. So now I'm going to move you fast forward. Now I'm going to move you to around 300 AD, you know, after Christ died, Jesus Christ died. And there was a man, Saint Augustine. And St. Augustine said, now, wait a minute. Well, let me, let me go back and explain who St. Augustine is. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. He was a very revered um, figure amongst the Catholics. And he is considered the father of the Latin church. And his real name, if you want to look it up, I'm sure you don't want to. But if you do, <laughs> he... But he became a saint. So he's Saint Augustine. So anyway, around 360 AD, after death of Christ, he said, wait a minute here. He said, all deceased people need to be honored and prayed for. Right? Now he insinuates that it's not just for the saints. Mm -hmm. It's for everybody, right? So if you look at the regular calendars, right, you'll see All Souls Day, right? Right. That's the Catholic version of Samhain. It's basically <laughs> what that is, okay? So we get Halloween from All Hallows' Eve. Mm -hmm. So it's put together. So now I'm going to fast forward you into more modern century, not this century. We're not here yet. Okay. I'm going to move you fast forward, you know, the 1700s, 1600s, 1700s, right? So now it becomes, guising becomes something that 
only happens, you know, in Ireland and, and, and those islands around there. Okay. And guising, remember I told you is going out trick or treating, mm-hmm. right? We weren't practicing this here at all. And then there was a great potato famine in Ireland. And that was in the 1860s. So the Irish, a whole bunch of Irish people, (laughs) thousands, right? They migrated to the United States and they brought guising to the United States, the costuming, the masking, the trick-or-treating, right? And it became a child's activity up until the 19, late 1950s, when um, President Dwight Eisenhower's wife, Mamie, wanted all adults to celebrate it, right? It's not just for kids. So that's how we get all the festivities Mm -hmm. that are associated. And, And that's basically the history. So a lot of people believe that, and I don't, and and bless those that do, okay, a lot of people believe that the veil is the thinnest on October. Personally don't. I mean, I I'm not a Wiccan, I'm not a pagan, but I did study it for, I mean, formally study mm-hmm. it under under um, a priest and pre- high priest and priestess for for 13 months. And I worked my butt off. I'll tell you, I did everything except initiate. Mm-hmm. I did not do the initiation in, into Wicca. And, but we were taught, and this is what I believe, it's the full moon closest to October 31, right? So in my opinion, that was October 20. Yeah. It's a three-day festivity, October 20, October 21, October 22, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how we got Halloween, and that's how we got all the festivities, right? Now, I will tell you there's a lot of pagans who are insulted, and rightly so. They're very insulted over some of the activities that do occur, you know, on their sacred holiday. You know, people get out, they get drunk, they're they're robbing and stealing and, you know, making a mockery of something that to this day it is a very sacred and religious holiday for mm-hmm. the pagans and the Wiccans. So now I just want to tell you a little bit about some of the symbolism associated with with Halloween. Okay. And one of the things that we'll see very well, let me go first the colors. Okay. Black and orange. I'm yeah. sorry, what? Okay, yeah, the black and the orange. Why is that? Okay. So black represents death. Okay. And orange represents, remember I told you, Samhain means the death of summer, right? So what are we seeing during the death of summer? We're seeing leaves turning orange, 
we're seeing um, pumpkins. So that's where we're getting the orange from. Mm -hmm. Now, going back again 2,000 years ago, they would use gourds or turnips or whatever, and they would carve ugly faces on them. And to this day, it is believed that the pumpkin scares off evil spirits. So that's why pumpkins have evil faces. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you see a smiling face, it's like, no, that doesn't mean (laughs) the significance of that pumpkin is scares the evil entities and, and so does a face. Okay. So then we see symbolisms for owls. We see owls everywhere. Back in the olden days, it was believed that owls were evil witches because they came out at night and Owls used to be referred to as night hags. And what's a derogatory term for a person who is a witch? A hag. Right. Okay. So that's why we see the symbolism of owls. Okay. The cat. So cats, what what does that mean? You know, it cats are mysterious Mm -hmm. right it was believed in the olden days that witches could transform into cats or they could transform into owls right but in our perception cats are mysterious and you know they're better able to communicate with with the other world okay then you see bats Right, you see a lot of bats. Why do we see bats around? What's the symbolism behind that? Well, bats usually live in caves, right? Dark caves, or they live in um, other gloomy places. They believe back then that witches could transform into bats. So we see the negative connotation of a bat. And also, I think it also represents Dracula, right? <laughs> right. Doesn't Dracula turn into a bat? I'm, I'm sure he does, right? <laughs> Last movie I watched. Oh, I watched, I watched that movie um, with Bella Lugosi. That was our mm-hmm. first Dracula. Yeah, he turned into a bat. Yeah. So then we have the broom. So if you look, oh, well, you can't. I see it. It's a podcast, okay. (laughs) Okay, everybody listening, just come to my house and see my besom. So uh, a besom and a broom. So it was believed back then that witches fly around on brooms, but they didn't look like the brooms that we buy nowadays. Uh, The straws were... A, a lot more narrow, you know, mm-hmm. and, and more gathered. And the is the way the the corn stalks come down, so they're uh-huh. not spread out. Okay, so that's the connotation. But 
for us witches, we believe that the broom has a lot of magical power. So brooms are used to to sweep away or besoms. You can use a broom or besom as long as the broom are from the corn stalks, right? So um, we believe that the broom can sweep away negativity. Mm-hmm. And I found this out last week. I didn't know. Well, I, this part I did know that brooms are used in pagan wedding ceremonies where they're called hand fasting. And then a couple of people told me, yes, yes, it's, uh, you know, brooms are used in wedding ceremonies for stregas, the, the Italian witches and other places in Europe, right? We also believe, you know, and I, I have a new book that's coming out in a couple of weeks. And, you know, I have about five spells in there that one can do for brooms, with brooms to, to get, get rid of visitors or, you know, mm-hmm. you know you're Italian, right? So yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, we use that broom, that broom is upside down. It's like you're trying to get rid of a visitor. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was practiced in Cuba and, and, and throughout Europe. So the spider, last but not least, I think I've covered, well, yeah. So the spider, um, the spider has a negative connotation because some spiders, just like the prey mantis, will eat their mate once he's mated with her, right? So that has a negative connotation. I'm talking about all the different symbolism that was brought to us from way back when, right? That still stays with us, right? And what we believe nowadays, which is believe that spiders are spinners and they're creative Uh and they spin, you know, they spin fate, the representation of, they're the spinners of fate. And I personally, if I see a spider, you know, I, I will never kill a spider. Yeah, me never, 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 you know. And, you know, it's said that it's bad luck to kill a spider, you know, because it's interrupting the fate, you know. So if they're spinning in your house or spinning something favorable, you know what I mean? So that's the ancient symbolism these days now we see anything icky and yucky we'll see snakes you know the yeah. you'll go to the store and you'll see the the rubbery snakes and you know all the other creepy crawlies mm-hmm. you know but i i've covered the main things the cauldron the cauldron has a more advanced um representation but we still bring that from way back from 2000 years ago when I, I told you. So everything I'm I'm telling you about certain symbolisms. Oh, one other thing, the hat. Uh-huh. So you'll see witches wearing pointed hats. And these pointed hats are shaped like a pyramid. And if you've ever watched any of the scientific shows on, on TV, um, Pyramids are associated with energy. Yeah. 
and you know they they draw energy okay so the pointed hat on a witch symbolizes the cone of power so you know it comes to a peak just like the pyramid mm -hmm. where you know you're drawing in power and that's what the witch's hat represents oh, interesting so that's halloween in a nutshell hmm is there any connection with Halloween and Day of the Dead? Oh, yes, there is. Very good question. So, what we have around the world, which was very, 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 very surprising to me, is, remember I told you all these things were practiced in the, the Celtic areas, right? But all throughout the world, people were, were celebrating in different ways because they knew about that nail. They knew about it. Mm -hmm. I was, because, you know, the, the research I did, I researched through what the archaeologists have found, right? So I'm not giving you fairy tales here. I'm giving you hardcore facts. And for those who know me, you know, I am a witch, but science always comes first <laughs> for me. I want the facts, man. So um, they practice a different type of of ceremonies in throughout Europe, in Asia. It's around the world, mm -hmm. Latin America. So all souls day developed from the um, and the day of. I'm sorry, the Day of the Dead derived from All Souls Day. Hmm. Interesting. That's the correlation. With this holiday, with the spirits, spirits, you know, being so close, the veil being so thin, and then walking among us, does that also inspire, you know, any type of ancestral worship or ability to connect with ancestors and ask them for help or advice? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we should be doing that all the time, but I mean, not, not obsessively. There's a lot of people that are extremely obsessive with that. Um, worshiping the ancestors ought to be not a daily practice, but at least a week, a weekly, you know, a weekly acknowledgement, light a candle, whatever. But what is very special around this time is that you can feed them and you know they're going to partake. And I have told my followers, right, that if you don't know how to control this, because we don't want to be inviting negative entities in our home. Okay. So I do not recommend for the layman to jump right in and put out a plate of food at the table and, and coffee and water. And if they smoke cigarettes or cigars, <laughs> a lit cigarette or cigar, I do not advise for laymen to put this at their table. And a lot of people do those who are experienced because they will know what they're invite, you know, who they're inviting in. Right. right? And this is what I do, even though I'm an expert, I still do this because I don't know. I don't know. I put the food 
outside. So I lay out food. You know, I know my mother likes certain things. My father likes certain things. You know, I always put that, you know, a cup of Cuban coffee and a cup of Greek coffee because my father was Greek, <laughs> my mother was Cuban, you know. And, and I got the lit cigarette and I've got the water. And bread is very important. And, you know, a lot of, of witches, if you if you buy them, the... Um, the books that are written by modern day witches, mm-hmm. some of them even have bread recipes in there, different types of recipes. You know, I, I'm not going to bake bread. I just put out bread and <laughs> I put out their favorite food. Now, you also want to put a little light out there. And I highly recommend um, an oil lamp because it's kind of hard for the wind to to um, put out, you know, extinguish the, the, the light. Right. And back in the olden days, and I'm glad you asked this because I forgot to tell you, back in the olden days, they also put out for their ancestors to find their way back home. So I put out a light with the food. You know, I have a table outside. Mm-hmm. And... The other thing they would do back in the olden days, and and I'm glad you brought this up because I completely forgot about this. We're back 2,000 years ago, right? And if you've ever been to Scandinavia or any of those those countries, they have mounds and people are buried in these mounds. You know, like I've been to Scandinavia and boy, they even bury the Viking ships with, Mm -hmm. with the captain and everybody else is buried, you know, under the, the mounds are incredible, but they believe back then that there were good spirits that lived inside the mounds. And when the, the veil was completely broken, that these great big, huge, tall mounds would open up. Mm-hmm. And these good entities came out and they look above them and these entities. And that's where the saying, as above, so below. That's where it derived from. But as far as honoring the ancestors, yes, they ought to be honored on a a frequent basis. But Mm -hmm. I think this is a, a very special time to give them offerings. So, you know, I put out toys for my deceased dogs, you know, so I hope that answered your question. Yeah. <laughs> I have a habit <laughs> of rambling on, then I forget the question. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, I know, actually, I kind of know that these two holidays are not related, but they're kind of similar in some ways, you know, coming, you know, where, where I'm at in the South. Um, I live near Mobile, which is the original place for Mardi Gras. And, you know, oh, yeah. and, and in Mardi Gras, you know, it's sort of associated with voodoo and things like that. Costuming, right, right, dancing, right, right. you know, like in my understanding of Mardi Gras is basically a, a big party that was supposed to happen prior to Lent before you have to give everything up. Right, right. But, right. but at the same time, it does have some of those pagan type of Undertone, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, to it. Yeah, so sure does. I mean, I look at a lot of things like, you know, I always think about um, 
the candomblé that they, they, they do in Brazil. They had that huge, you know what I mean? And, you know, I've, I've never seen in person. I'd love to. So if anybody wants to accompany me to Brazil, because I don't want to go alone. They say it's dangerous. If you're ever, <laughs> you know, if anybody wants to join me, I'd love to go one day. But I see a lot of the the um, the 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 costumes, you know, and, and they resemble the entities that I worship in Santeria. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, I've seen a correlation there. You know, Gary, if you really look at everything somehow we're all there's similarities with every type of practice mm-hmm. all throughout the world you know I, yeah. I I remember um my mother and well I I I still believe this because God forbid if you left an unattended rocking chair rocking <laughs> I mean it was like you know, almost like I committed armed robbery or something. Uh-huh. It was, it was a bit, oh my God, blah, 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 blah. Because she believed, as they believe in Cuba, that it invites any dead person to come sit in that rocking chair. Okay. And I was dating a man from Ireland mm-hmm. years and years later, because I have a rocking chair. And I got up and the, and the chair was rocking. He went bonkers, just like my mother did. <laughs> but, you know, I'm talking about two different parts of the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just amazing. You know, sometimes I on, on my Facebook page, Miss Aida Psychic, I'll throw in some sort of folkloric thing. You know, I do that every now and then. And everybody that's on my Facebook pages, and they know they're more than welcome to to input what they they wish mm-hmm. okay as long as it's positive i don't want any crap going on but yeah they'll say oh yeah but here we do this and there we do that and it, it's so interesting because i will put a folkloric practice on there and by the time a week is over i've learned 10 new things <laughs> you know and it's just amazing the similar there's little variations yeah. here and there but very similar i mean it's it's amazing it's amazing even religion mm-hmm. you know there's similarities between all the entities you know i don't care what religion you are there's similarities absolutely like i've interviewed probably almost every type of shaman there must be out there you know Brazilian, American, you know, Native American. Um, God, this is just so many different types I've interviewed, but they all basically have they work the same way. They all work the same way, no matter what region of the world they come from. They they might use different methods and different words. Um, yeah. But 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 essentially, you know, they're 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 achieving an altered state of consciousness, connecting with the spirit somehow, and retrieving that information and bringing it back. Whether it's yeah. through drumming, whether it's through ayahuasca, whether it's through dancing and prayer, um, it, you know, there's all kinds of different ways. Spirit quests, no matter what it is, um, they all are doing the same thing, and it's been going on all around the world. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's really cool. 
it's but you might think it's kind of because i watch the program ancient aliens i i do and, too <laughs> okay you know what's really cool because in the that's my oh you guys can't see Is that my dogs. <laughs> i got two german shepherds so um <laughs> anyway so um in the hebrew bible mm-hmm. and the old testament of the christian bible they talk about the great flood right remember yes. the noah's ark mm-hmm. and all that other stuff they have that in in sacred texts in india yeah yeah in and here too and, and the hopis yeah have it. yeah yeah and it's like okay what's the difference here like you said different language yeah, yeah. <laughs> the names have been changed mm-hmm. but it's still the same thing yeah, yeah, and that's why I think, you know, and I do, I've done tons of episodes on this. I focus on it a lot, is like the ancient history and the commonalities between like the different cultures and their their their, their origin stories. Um, like the most amazing one for me is the similarities between the Sumerian and the Hopis. I mean, completely yeah. opposite sides of the world, but almost exactly the same origin stories. It's amazing. It's amazing. It is. I don't know. They say ignorance is bliss, but I I, I don't believe that because I, I think the more that we know, I think we can make a connection, you know, and it it, it enlightens us. And it, it's a path to towards enlightenment, especially when we're studying, you know, the, the metaphysical. Yeah, absolutely. You know, having that open mind and being open to new information it can change a, a, a person's life if they change the way they look at the world. Exactly. Exactly. And you and I were talking about that before the show, you mm-hmm. know, that, you know, the, the childlike mentality, you know, those children are very enlightened, you know, and I, I tell, I tell clients all the time, you know, when you're a baby, you're, 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 back from the spirit world and and you're able better able to communicate with spirits children are better able to communicate we we lose all of that Mm -hmm. you know that's a gift because we're not in daily practice but you were talking about the shamans Mm -hmm. okay they keep it up right and you know so do other religious leaders. They keep it up, and that's why they're enlightened, and we aren't. Right. Yeah, yeah. And also one of the things I focus on a lot, too, is um, humans have a lot more abilities than we think we do. You know, we Absolutely. look at like we look at somebody as a, as a psychic or, you know, somebody who's able to read tarot cards or remote view as supernatural abilities. And the truth is, I th- at least from my experiences, everybody has these type of abilities. Is whether you want to put the effort into using them or not. I agree. I think and here we go back to the science part of me. <laughs> okay? Because I'm always trying to teach my clients to meditate, okay? Because I think what we're doing is sending some sort of signal to that part of the brain to wake up. Mm -hmm. It's there, but it's dormant. It went to sleep. It was there when we were children. You know what I mean? So the meditation or whatever practices, you know, to wake it up because it's there. You just have to develop it. How do you develop it? By waking it up, you know? We all have it. 
Yeah. What do they say? They say we only use about 10% of our brain. Is it 10% or so, less? Something like that, yeah. yeah. I don't know the exact percentage. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, Jared, he's my, you know, he's more than my wealthy co-host now. He comes out all the time. But he has a theory that 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 human beings were super advanced and are at one time able to use our full capacity. And then some kind of, something happened. Something, you know, we wiped ourselves out or whatever. We got and stupid. <laughs> it, well, we, well, he says that we put ourselves into safe mode, so we couldn't do it again until ah. we would be actually be ready to do, to to start using you know using our full capacity. We like, we we somehow we purposely may have dumbed ourselves down just to, I, just, I, just to survive. I believe that. I believe that. I mean, look at look at the tribal societies. If there are any left, I know there's a few left. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're really into spiritual practices, you know what I mean? And and they're wise people. Why are they wise? You know, it's it's and we all know that they're wise because they're in tune, they're connected. So I think with some of them, it's not completely asleep. Right. The, you know, one thing I learned too, this was kind of scary, but one of my guests was um a remote viewer with the CIA. And he oh. wrote and he wrote a book about it, a couple of books, and he teaches classes on it. So he invited me to come, you know, take his class and, and try it. And I did uh-huh. it, and the results were absolutely, I mean, shocking. You know, it completely blew my mind how well this works. But what, what kind of scares me, though, a little bit is the government knows. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. <laughs> they they know how to manipulate what we're perceiving yeah. as possibly spiritual. You know, they're probably looking at it like you are through science, right? And, and, right. And are using that to to draw information and maybe even reversing that to manipulate reality in some ways. Yeah, that's scary stuff. Well, I know one thing. I'm too boring. They won't be spying on me. <laughs> I am. People always were. Oh, you know, they're listening to our conversation. Who cares? Like, who wants to listen to my conversations on the telephone? But it is scary <laughs> stuff. It is. You know, I, I would be kind of afraid to do it because I don't know. It, it, it's it's. I'm afraid that I'm going to see something I don't I. Ought not see, you know, like what if uh-huh. I see somebody murdering, you know, in, in right. the actual act of murdering, I don't want to see something like that, yeah. you know, that that scares me, right? The technique that he taught though doesn't do it that way. You, you, his technique is going in and collecting data, like you collect like colors, sounds, tastes, smells, uh-huh. and all this data, and then you kind of draw these weird images that just sort of pop into your head like your panels will move by itself and you just draw something and you look at all this information it's like none of this makes any sense at all you know you know it's just it's just garbage you know i did it wrong and then they revealed the target and it's like holy crap like i really nailed this particular part of that target and that's why I like when they use remote viewers they'll use teams so all of them will get different pieces of different of the target, and then the ones that are all getting like some of the same data, that that data they know is correct. It is. It is yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Wow, wow! I have to get his books. I have to ask you to to 
um, PM me his yeah his books. I'd like to read about it. Yeah, it was it was, it was wild. It, but but it, it it brings me back though to like these you know the shamans have been doing this and using these things forever, and yeah. the government is too. And and like I just you know I would have never really thought. You know, okay, well, now yeah. you've got me thinking. How did the government learn to do this? How did the government learn about this? That's what they I'm had saying. to have learned it from a spiritual person, right? Mm-hmm. They had to have. That's my thinking. I don't know. I don't know. But also, I guess what freaks me out, too, is if you can draw information from that level of consciousness, I wonder if they can put information into it. You know, like, like uh, a spell, like a spell. Like, I think when, like when you cast a spell or a curse, you're putting that information well, when you're, out. When you're, when you're casting a spell, what you're doing is, you know, and this is what I, I teach my clients, is you're mm-hmm. outputting energy. Yeah, you're exactly. Exactly. Remote viewing is inputting it. Right, right, right. So I wonder if governments or, or you know, that are actually using magic. Spells to to I don't know it, it didn't affect work the outcomes. <laughs> Remember, Hitler mm. was was really into this. I mean, he had a huge staff of astrologers and witches. Yeah. And it everything. may not have worked for him, but I wonder if it's working better now for other ones, other countries. You know, just like um, Hitler wasn't quite able to master the ballistic missile, but we did. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's true. Maybe we had better witches on staff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so with Halloween, and back to, back to the holidays, I know I went way off topic. <laughs> but, but, so how do we get from Halloween to Hitler? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> on my podcast, that shit happens. <laughs> But on, on all all holidays that we have now incorporate some type of pagan symbolism. Like Christmas, for instance, isn't a tree partly uh, a pagan? I mean, I, I think it's everything. Now, I'm, I'm not a pagan, okay, but, um, <clears throat> you know, the pagans, and, and this is what I, I find is, I got to tell you something that really freaked me out, mm-hmm. okay? And the pagans believe that goddess gives birth to the god right right and then he becomes a man and then he impregnates her Mm. and then he gets old and dies and then she has him again so year you know year after year after year that's what's happening okay so you hear the um the maiden, the mother, and the crone, right? right. And so, you know, I, I, the, the birth of Jesus, that's around, around the time of the birth of the God. And the pagans were there first, okay? But I got to tell you something that totally freaked me out. I don't watch religious channels. And there was a, a Catholic channel. I don't even know why. I oh, I know why. No, no, I'll tell you why. Okay. Because praying the rosary, mm-hmm. but they were showing images, and that's what caught my attention was the artistry, right? And then they, you know, there's the rosary has mysteries of the rosary, 
And at one point, God addresses Mary and says, my wife, my mother. It's the same thing. It's the same exact same thing. The exact same thing. You know, so a lot of the holidays that we have, you know, coexist with with pagan and that's probably part of the negotiation remember we were talking mm-hmm. about that yeah earlier. or the easter egg right that that's one yeah. isn't it so i think of some other ones um well, there's leprechauns bunch. i don't know about leprechauns you know i know they they um the fairies that's mm-hmm. a real big unfortunately when i hear the word leprechaun i think of the movie <laughs> <laughs> mean leprechaun. I am the leprechaun. <laughs> so, are there any holidays that that I mean, does uh, that are associated with fairies? That I don't know because no. I'm, I'm not a pagan. I'm sure there is. I'm hmm. sure there is. That that's something for one of your pagan guests. Interesting. You know, I'm, I, you know, my, my practices are, I'm, I'm an initiated Santera. I'm an initiated Palera. Um, I'm also a Bruja, which is a, 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 a witch mm-hmm. from the Cuban Brujeria tradition. But my main practice is Hoodoo. I love Hoodoo. And and brujeria, Cuban brujeria. So, but what are the differences between some of these traditions that I've just mentioned? Mm-hmm. So, you have African derivative traditions, and you have African traditional religions. So, an African traditional religion is something like Santeria or Voodoo, where we we have entities that we worship, okay? Um, Hoodoo is an African derivative tradition, okay? So there are, we don't have all these entities that we're worshiping. Hollow, by the way, is also a, a traditional religion. So you would consider Hoodoo to be a folkloric magical practice. Hmm. Are some of those other practices sort of Solomonic in a way, where they're based off of the greater and lesser keys of Solomon? Well, in Hoodoo, um, there's a lot of Christianity mm-hmm. and a lot of the Old Testament, right? right? And, and a lot of, and I always say this because, you know, my Jewish friends and, and it is the Hebrew Bible. For them, mm-hmm. it's not the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew Bible, right? And for the Christians, it's it's the Old Testament. So when the the slaves were brought to um, Cuba and Puerto Rico, and what they did was they incorporated their religion with the Catholic religion. So it was twofold. A lot of the the Catholic deities resemble, not in features, but in attributes, resemble the the African deities or deities, whatever you, I always say deities, and I know it's pronounced deities. So 
it becomes a religion. Same with voodoo, mm -hmm. right? So when they were brought here to the States, you know, Southern Baptists, right? right. You know, the, the slaves were, were in, um, in the South and that developed into a folkloric and traditional or a traditional derivative practice. So there's a lot of biblical um, influence in hoodoo. Mm -hmm. You know, when I write my books, I always, um, always, always include the Psalms. And now we're going back to the Judaic aspect of which you asked. Mm -hmm. But is it high magic? No. Hmm. You know, it's not the high magic that you speak of. It's not Kabbalistic or anything like that. Right. You know, none of them. Because that's it's it's all af you know African. Interesting. Does Hexencraft fall into any of this? Hexen who? Hexencraft. Oh, so or Hexcraft. Hexen being witch. Right. So now we're talking about the Dutch. Are you asking mm -hmm. me about Yep, it's the, the Dutch. Dutch. Yeah. So Yes. My mom was uh, Pennsylvania Dutch. <laughs> yeah, a lot of um, my dog Junior and my dog Lobo. My dog Lobo um, came from Germany. Ju Junior is his son. Mm -hmm. So my dog Lobo came from the Hexenmeister kennels in Germany. Really? Witchmaster. Wow. So <laughs> I, I grabbed that name for, for the dogs, you know, for, for Junior. So his... Anyway, back to your question. Yes, um, hoodoo practitioners do incorporate that into their practices. Wow. Hex and craft, yeah. That's interesting. You know, so I think there's a couple of books out that are really good, something about powwow, and there's a, there's a mm -hmm. few books. You know? Not a lot, though. And again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. There's a lot of similarities mm -hmm. in the practices. Yeah, like like that's one that one that is one though that uh I didn't even find until like way later. And I found like two books on it and that was it. Yeah, yeah. But it's so funny you're saying hexencraft and that means witchcraft, right? And and <laughs> and brujeria, that means witchcraft. So we've yep. got different words. Again, we're going right back to what we were saying before. Different words for the same thing. You know? Well, why do you think that is? How do you think that the same idea spread all the way around the world with different names but the same ideas? Do you think people had communication with each other that we weren't aware of? Absolutely. And now I'm going back to my science side. And as you well know, because you watch the same programs I do, <laughs> you know, there's, there's archaeological findings that they can't explain. Okay. Um, why are there images of Asian people and Indian people and black people and, and, you know, the different nationalities? Why is that present in ancient India? Why is that present in ancient Mexico? Mm -hmm. You know, of course I do. Why, you know, and what, what sparked my curiosity is I've been to 33 countries, right? Wow. So before I even realized anything else, 
I noticed a lot of similarities in the structures, right? Mm-hmm. In different countries, like, wait a minute, this is the same way they did the, you know, the stones in, in, in Greece, or this is the same way they did the stones in Peru. It's like, what the heck's going on here? And that's what sparked my curiosity. And boy, it's just amazing how many structures around the world, ancient structures right. that are similar in their in the construction, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't have, uh, I don't know, what do, you, what do you guys put in between bricks? Um, mortar? That, mortar. They didn't have that back then, right? Right. And... And the bricks are so tightly uh, placed together yeah. without the mortar, you can't even slip a paper through these through the section. So I mean, yeah, I don't know how that happened. I, you know, <laughs> to answer your question, I don't know why there's so many similarities. I don't know. I don't that, know, I don't know I, if I anybody knows. <laughs> I mean, I I do have my suspicions, but. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a lot of people out there that don't believe in the ancient alien theories, yeah. which I do believe in. Yeah. But you said it all when you talked about the Sumerians. Sumerians mm-hmm. have it all documented, you know? Yeah. Like, I have, like, I, I, I partly believe the ancient alien idea, but I also have some ideas about Atlantis as well. That Atlantis was an advanced culture that was maybe possibly able to spread some of these ideas around the world. I agree, one million percent. Yeah. Oh, oh and I'm going to really my 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 theory really is that it's probably some kind of combination of of, of all these ideas because it's very rare that things always lean towards one particular idea. Anyway, usually right. there's a combination of different things going on. Right. Right. I think we're too stupid. You know, I, I think we're too stubborn and we're too stupid. And, you know, the scientific community, they're not going to back down. You know, oh, well, this is a fact. So mm-hmm. just let it go. So I, mean, I, I, I think you're really on to something when you said that something happened to us that we became dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, I think so, too, because... For people to be able to do some of the things, like like a te- telepathy is another one. Like everybody has the ability to use telepathy, but we right. don't use it. Right, right. You know, right. But, but everybody's used it at some point. Like every everybody's said something before somebody else said it and go, oh my God, I was going to say that, you know. Right. Or we dream. Mm-hmm. You know, there's telepathy through dreams. Yep. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. It's 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 fascinating. It's all fascinating. It's it's just I wish we could have all the answers, but we won't in this lifetime. Oh yeah. I'm gonna try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. Me too. Answers. I'm always asking questions. Why, 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 why? <laughs> so when's the new book coming out? So my new book is going to be released November 10th, and it's called Hoodoo Justice Magic. And um, I'm very proud of it. So um, it's about righteous retribution. So it's a way of protection and, and 
I, I wrote it for people that don't get justice through the legal whatever system. So it covers a lot. And I hope you bring me back to talk about it. Oh, I definitely will. <laughs> I think I know a few people that could use some retribution. Uh, there's over a hundred spells in there. And then I have, um, I have quite a few prayers in there mm -hmm. for people that are afraid to, to cast spells. And believe it or not, and I don't want to give away too much because I'll have nothing to talk about next time. But, you know, the Psalms we were you were asking mm -hmm. about, um, OK, there are actually Psalms designed to curse people. Oh, yeah. And I have those in the book, too. Yeah. <laughs> Before we wrap it up, I want to ask you one last question. It's a personal sure. question. I need your advice. OK. Okay. So, so as, as you know, I'm going through a divorce, yeah, and I've been so. pretty angry, and I'm afraid that my anger and my 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 rage towards this individual that I'm going to act like like I'm, I feel like I'm cursing that person, and I'm afraid of it backfiring on me. Nah, nah. Are you saying anything verbally? Oh, yeah. So you're saying you wish bad things verbally? Yeah. Okay. So what I would do then is spray myself with either holy water mm -hmm. or, or a rue water. I think you have my book, Hoodoo Cleansing and Protection yep. Magic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, heard rue I water. would just spray myself and, and say, God bless me and protect me. That's what I would do. You know, each time you have the thought, mm -hmm. I've done that before. I've done that before. So, you know, just put some sort of protection on yourself. Your I best do. bet, Gary, I mean, if you're, if you're, you really, really want retribution, um, get the King James version of the Bible, not the new King James, not the this, not the that. So many versions of the Bible will make you go crazy. Go to the King James Version, KJV, and look up Psalm 109. And that is a phenomenal cursing psalm. And hmm. what's the beauty of, of these psalms is what, what did God tell us? You know, revenge is mine, saith the Lord. So I always say, tell God what happened, what was done to you. And that's what I highly recommend. And just protect yourself. The other thing you can do also is mm -hmm. pray aloud. You always pray aloud. Pray aloud Psalm 91 just to protect yourself. And you can say, protect myself from my own, yeah. own yeah. Um, negative words. Yeah, that's what I yeah. need. I need to protect myself yeah. from myself. Yes, yeah. Psalm 91. <laughs> I guess Psalm I'm, 91 is the greatest I'm, protection. And, you know, just say to protect yourself from, from all that you're outputting. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to become a grand, grouchy, cankerous old man. Can you hear me? Now I can. What did I, you say? I said I don't want to become a grouchy, cankerous old man. <laughs> you don't want to be like me, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're sweet. You're one of the nicest people I know. <laughs> well, thank you for being on. And before we wrap this up, where can my listeners find you and find your books? And your services. Okay, so, 
Um, my website is missaida.com, M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A.com. And I have a live event um, every Sunday at 8 p.m., every other Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, you know, I, I teach a little bit and then I talk to everybody. Mm -hmm. You can ask me anything. And that's Miss Aida Psychic. And my website will give you links to the books or you can just go to Amazon and look up uh, Miss Aida and you'll see four books there. Nets. How to find me. <laughs> <laughs> well, will... Or you can find me at the Dollar Tree because I'm usually at the Dollar Tree. <laughs> 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 you know, where to find me? I'm at the Dollar Tree. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even been to a Dollar Tree, I don't think. You don't have those over there? Uh, they probably do. I, I don't uh. go shopping. Oh, okay. All right. Like, 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 I'll run into a store, grab what I need, and run out as fast mm. as possible. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Which, is, which is usually just to get, like, Reese's peanut butter cups. Ah, okay. That's, All my, right. that's my staple. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, for those that know me, it's like when I, when I start teaching how to do certain spells, I always recommend going to the Dollar Tree and buying this or that or that for this, and it's because you can get the same materials for for a dollar mm. you know rather than going to a store or an online store and paying 15 20 dollars for something that only cost you one dollar right yeah. so you know i i push uh the dollar tree a lot because casting spells ought not cost you a large amount of money hmm yeah, metaphysical stores can be quite expensive online. Well, you know, the other problem, too, are the, the, there's so many con artists out there. Everybody's Everybody nowadays is a metaphysical practitioner, okay? Comes for 500000 You know, I, I know one person that paid $78,000 to somebody. Wow. You know, for a love spell that didn't work. So, I mean, you know, I, I try to teach my clients and and my followers how to do things yourself. Hmm. I mean, I would be willing to pay maybe 500 bucks for a real hand of glory. For what? A hand of glory. It, it's they paid you $500? No, I, I would be willing to pay for it. Oh, oh, because, oh. Because it's so hard to find because you got to find like the, the left hand of a guy that's been hung. And then you gotta make it into a handle, which will a candle, which will give you the power of invisibility. Wow, I didn't know that. Wow. But but you know how hard it is to find the left hand of somebody who's been hung. Yeah, I know that that would be. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even find a newt eye anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, <laughs> Note to self, don't get Gary mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if you Google like new eyes, you're not going to find them. <laughs> there used to be a store by my house when I growing up as a kid that used to sell that stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah it was in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Wow. Hmm. I no comment. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. 
<laughs> I will post the links to your website and your Facebook and your books on Amazon on the notes of this episode so my listeners can find you and buy your book. And I'll definitely have you back on when the new book is out. And it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. It did. Oh, thank you so much, Gary. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Have a a wonderful evening. You too. Hang on for one moment. I have to play my outro. You can hear my dog scratching in the back, probably. Yeah. (laughs) He wants to go out. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on the